blind man cried out. Jesus, son of David, had pity on me, a sinner. And Jesus stopped. He went over to the blind man. He said, what do you want of me that I may see? Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, this uh, gospel is uh, twofold. First of all, the man made a confession of faith. He called our Lord the Son of David, which was a royal name. Many was of the household, but also he knew by that appellation that he was the Messiah, and being the Messiah, he could heal. So he healed him. Now these days, uh, as we listen to many things, uh, most of the time not worth hearing, uh, we are crying out with our heart uh, to Jesus Christ our Lord that we need to know the truth. Have pity on me. We have that famous prayer we learned from the Desert Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And most of us, unless we're sick in the head or neck or someplace, realize that we are sinners. And so we've been reading about the Habsburgs in the, in the uh, uh, monastery dinner, and we're reading the life of Karl of Austria. He was the last Roman emperor. He was the last emperor of the Austro-Hungaria, and he was the last ruler the Ruthenians had, royal ruler. And of course, the Habsburgs for many, many years were very protective of the Ruthenians. In fact, um, I think I told you this before, but Maria Theresa, that famous woman, talking about famous ladies, uh, she gave us our name when she called us Greek Catholics. And uh, she noticed when, sent to, when she went to Rome, she talked to Pope about who we were. He said, well, I've heard of them. That's about all he knows, what he said. But anyway, she put us under the protection of the royal family. And of course, if you were in Austria-Hungary, you should be Catholic. That was the religion, right? And she made sure we were good Catholics. She also did other things for us. Our, our priests were no longer treated as serfs, and they were not put to work in the field. And she got a very better education. So some for our people and for our priests. Now some people say, well, it was a political move on the uh, side of the Ruthenians. I don't think so. I think they were wise, and I, in all our books, we think she's a great lady and helped our people a lot. We don't even have that much protection 
in the United States as we had in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. That's interesting. But anyway, that's not the point of my homily today. I just want to give you a little history lesson. All of us are of troubles. From the smallest child to the oldest person alive. And our troubles change as we go through life. Little children, they want to have everything they see. Of course, a lot of those things would harm them. So the parents have to protect them from that. And they grab them or get them away from what they see. And they make a big squall. And I told you the story of the Jewish man. He used to go to the uh, wall in Jerusalem and he would pray. So when he was a young man, he prayed for, uh, the guy watched him and he, he saw him in the streets. And, what have you been praying for all these years? He said when he was a prayer, young man, he says he, he prayed that he could uh, make a living. And then he, when he finally made a living, he prayed that uh, he could get a good wife. That's really a hard economy to get an item to get today. And after that, he wanted good children. When he got older, he was sickly, like all people are. You know what they tell you when you, uh, you, know, you count the times you went to a doctor when you're young. <coughs> and you'll multiply that a lot more when you, go to, when you get older, because you're constantly going to a doctor for something. So anyway, he says, well, when I was a young man, he said, I prayed for, for uh, financial success and a good wife and good children. He says, now I'm an old man. He says, I pray for good health. The one thing that he missed out on was that he didn't ask for a good death. In the Chasislav, one of the petitions that monks say every day, or the priest says it, is for death without pain, sorrow, or mourning, but only life everlasting. And the fathers tell us that we should think of death often, every daily. Well, that gets sort of depressing sometimes, unless you're a Christian. So the Christian does not have fear of death. I think we may fear in the death process, so we pray to be delivered from that. But the Christian should not fear death because it's the gate to new life, to everlasting life. Now this poor man in the gospel, he couldn't see. And uh, you know, as you get older, your sight's not so good sometimes, and it's a threat. Because you can't see the beauty in the world, can't see other people, can't read, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. So then you only have to have spiritual eyes for God. It's interesting. So the gospel is full of wisdom today. First of all, we need to see to read the holy books. And why do we need to read the holy books? Is to learn what the early church knew. Because, especially in our society, Although many people 
call themselves Christians, they're far from Christianity. And I remember I went, gave a lecture on the father of the church who had a group of Air Force chaplains, and the only one that had an objection to it was the fellow that needed it the most. He said, what do you got to read all that old stuff for? Everything that is good endures the test of time, like Christianity. Everything that's good endures the test of time, like the family. Everything that's good endures the test of time, like growing old filled with faith. All these things are gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are things that God gives to us. So we think about the Trinity of God, and we know the dogma of the Trinity because I teach it all the time to you. And uh, we know that the Father is the creator, the God is the Son is the redeemer, and the Holy Spirit is the giver of life and gifts, holy gifts. So we know that. And some people have particular devotion to one person or another in the Trinity. We should actually have devotion to all of them. So this man, when he asked from Jesus healing, He's always asking at the same time from the Father uh, who created him to sustain that creation. I read this week about Jesus as the word of God. And when the Father spoke Jesus and in the incarnation, he recreated the whole world. Think about that. His original word was just creation itself. But the world had fallen far away from what he created. And he, and he had to recreate it, so he sent us Jesus, the new man. And in the new man, because we participate from him, we have life. So sometimes I read this week also, this guy was, he was, oh, we got to be delivered from this and that. And he was, you know, he, was, he got himself all upset about the state of the world and things like that. And uh, he said, what are we going to do? And the person who was talking said to you, don't you know about the Holy Trinity? You know what to do. Say your prayers. Purify your life. We talked about that last week. Say your prayers. You recognize who God is by glorifying him. And we have powerful tools we Christians. We don't need bombs and all this stuff. Now we're going into Ukraine, and I'm glad that we are, because we have about 300,000 people there in Karpatarus, the Ruthenians. There's 300,000 or more of them there, and they're always threatened. All their existence, they're threatened, except when they were in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, they were treated pretty good. And uh, so they, they are threatened again. Where are they going to go? So I was talking to Oleg the other day, an iconographer painted the, I, most of the icons in the church, not all. And I said, well, are, you, are you prepared to leave? He said, I, I can't leave because I'm working. 
it's a big thing in the, most of the world to work. They don't have the social systems that we have. They're not as rich as we are. And he says, I'm working, so I said, well, can, can you get out to Slovakia? Can you get out to Poland? He says, no, especially Poland, the gates are closed. And he says, because of the disease. I said, what about Slovakia? He says, maybe. I said, what about Hungary? Go, to this, go towards Hungary. He says, possibly we could sneak out to Hungary. I says, Are you, who, he says who, who is with you? He says, my son is here. He's just a young fellow. My son is here with me. And he works during the day and he comes home at night. So, so we're together. So I said, I will pray for you. I said, do you need anything? I need you to send you some money. He said, no, you've sent us enough money. We're okay, because we've sold a lot of his icons. And he says, we're okay for now. How would you like to live like that? Now, I am not an enemy of the, Federa uh, the Federation of the Russians. It's called a Russian Federation, not Russia. Russia is just part of it. I know pretension against uh, Putin because he's restored a lot of churches and monasteries. It's, it's maybe he's a believer, but he's getting old, you know. He can't afford to make any mistakes. And you know, you say, well, he's threatening Ukraine. Well. We have a base in Poland. We have a base in Romania. We have a big, huge air base in Italy. Why wouldn't he feel threatened? Something like quid pro quo, but neither side should be doing those things. We're supposed to be, according to the gospel, love our neighbor. Even in your family, don't fight, talk, say your prayers. Quiet down. Yes, cry to Jesus, let me see. Let me see the way, like the early Christians. The way will be open to you. Your heart will be cured. And God who dwells in you with the Holy Spirit, who's always praying in you, you can talk with him, pray with him in your heart. Now, what are our great weapons? What are the great weapons the church has? We're more powerful than all these people because you were baptized, you were chrismated, and you received the body and blood of the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Those are powerful gifts. If we would just learn to preach that and bring these people to the faith in the gifts Christ has given us in the Catholic Church, we can overcome a lot of difficulty without blowing each other up. Especially here in the Northwest where they're heathens for the most part. Be careful. Schools, heathens. Universities, teachers of error. So my doctor this week I went to see him, or maybe last week, I, he, I went in for just a checkup. He's always giving me a checkup. And uh, 
He's all excited because his daughter, he has two girls, got a scholarship to uh, Seattle University, which is so-called Jesuit University. He's all excited. And he says, we can get over there. We can take the train and we don't have to drive all the time. You know, so that's better to drive. But I didn't say that to him. But anyway, I said, what are you excited about? I said, she, they're just going to corrupt your daughter there. He wants to educate his daughter. He probably wants to educate them both of them. What are they going to teach them? You can usually tell the spirituality of a uh, university by going to the chapel. See how it's decorated. See how they pray there. Look around, talk to some university professors who are faith-filled. Just don't drop your kid there. You're going to pay for it anyway. And our children, with our federal government, gives money to everybody, giving, I don't know how many millions to the Ukraine now, in tanks and things like that. It's always something we can sell, you know. But anyway, uh, getting off that point, let's go back to the university. Uh, we expect marvelous things for our children from the university, and sometimes they come out and they don't get a good education, and they don't get a good job. Now, I have a son that's he's a professor at a university. I talk to him all the time, and I ask him what's going on, you know. He says, well, we, we have students. There's been all these political things, theories, are floating through the school. I don't think we send our children to school to be brainwashed. I certainly don't want them to lose their Catholic faith. But apparently, it's been a long time now, and we went to, said, well, we can send them to the parochial school or the nuns and this and that, and they'll become Catholics. Not necessarily so. The most important thing you to do is to witness to your faith in your house, in your prayer life, so you pray like the monks of the monastery do. People come here because we pray. And they have miracles. So this week, I met these two ladies when I was flying between Seattle and Spokane. I had two parishes. Every weekend, I'd fly back and forth. Got pneumonia twice, by the way. It's hard to change climates every week. So anyway, uh, the one lady's pretty sick. Her name is Helen. She asked for prayer. And uh, she's got cancer. The other lady called. She, she said, I remember you. She says, we called. I said, and we found out you were in a monastery. I said, yeah, I'm in a monastery for my sins. I said, besides, I like the life. It's wonderful. It's like to live with people who share your faith and pray with you. It's wonderful. It's like a family. So she asked for prayers for Helen. She says to me, you know, they won't, they were delaying the 
operation for three months. You could be dead in three months. That's the way England's medicine, and they have national medical, you know. At the point in time, you got to, I remember when I was working at the base, the secretary came in on Monday morning, she said her brother died. I said, well, what's he sick? He had been sick a long time, but he couldn't get the operation because he had to wait his turn. It's not that bad here. I had an operation I got it the same day. It was wonderful. Most of our medical people still have a conscience. Where is their conscience formed? By our faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity. And we've been taught. And we know we have to do that. So anyway, she called me again yesterday. She says, Father, we've had a miracle. I said to her, what miracle? She says, she's going to be operated on Monday. They moved it up. She says, that's a miracle. I says, I like that. I said, I say, we'll pray for her Monday, too. I had two very sick people now we're praying for this Monday. We're going to do that. Because God can move doctors. He can move hospitals. He can move universities. He can even change you. He can do wonderful things in your life. But you have to call upon him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm blind. I'm not getting it. My faith is not what it should be. And he's going to say to you in your heart, don't you? Weren't you baptized? Weren't you chrismated? Didn't you receive my body and blood uh, every Sunday, just like they did in the early church? So many Catholics are falling away from the church. Why? Well, they don't like the priest. Can he feed you the Eucharist? Yeah, well, why worry about that? Go to, go to church. Well, I fought with my girlfriend. I can't go to church there. Say, stand on the other side of the church. Stay away from her. Say, well, I can't go because I don't like the liturgy. I said, well, I said, sooner or later, they'll wise up and fix up the liturgy, too. They'll get the hang of it. They'll learn that they went too far. Well, uh, it takes too much time. I got things to do. What? Sunday's supposed to be the Lord's Day. You're not supposed to be shopping or anything. You know, when I was a young person, people didn't shop. Nothing was open except the drugstore. Now everything's open. It's a disrespect to God. But when you're in trouble, to whom you go? To who has the words of eternal life? Jesus Christ. The blind man knew that in the gospel. And he was cured. But he also confessed that Jesus Christ was son of David, and therefore a royal person and the Messiah. Sometimes people use the word of the Lord the wrong way. Don't do that. It's a holy name. It's a powerful name. And it's, it gives you power. You know, it's okay to say, God help me if you're in pain or something. We have so many things to help us, crutches that are good. We have the Holy Rosary. We have the scapular. And monks, they get a paramen when they make their vows. 
especially solemn vows. And the paraben usually is done in Greek, but I got one that's in English. And I don't wear my fancy one. I'm saving that to have it buried with me. I got a little one. And uh, I have what you call Catholic insurance. I wear the scapula of Our Lady all my life. You're promised heaven if you wear it. Get to confession, go to communion. That's not superstition. That's a promise of the Mother of God. I wear my paramen, small one. It says on the paramen in Greek, you are the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. I'm baptized, chrismated, and receive his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. But see, I'm fed on divinity. I'm the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Why are you afraid of death or anything? You are powerful. So you say, well, I lack faith. Well, when you good, good and sick, you'll find it very quickly. In the military, saw bad things. Nobody liked faith. So one day I was walking through the hospital. I was a hospital chaplain. This is sort of gruesome. And I was in the, I would, could, go, I could go anywhere actually in the hospital to visit the sick or bring them Holy Communion. And the day before I met to see this young man, it's in the military, now everybody's young. The sick, and well, they're all young. Once you get to be 40, you're in management or you're out. By the time you're six, you're re retired, 60. It's the last few you can go. Those people retire about 40. So I walked into this, uh, there were four doctors standing around this young man that I had visited the next yesterday, the day before, I should say, and uh, I brought in communion. I talked with him. Uh, I prayed for him. They were operating on him and working on him. His aorta split, and the blood hit the ceiling, and he was gone. And the four doctors said, Father, get over here. So I got over there, thank God, and I gave him the blessing, and I didn't have oil with me, and I gave him absolution. When do you know when your aorta is going to split? When do you know when the royal doors of heaven are going to be open to you? Live as though you were dying. Live every day in dedicated prayer. It's sort of boring, some people say. But if you practice it well, it'll become your salvation. That's how you glorify Jesus, by praising him, praying to him, and accepting his gifts. He loves you. We have the winning team, the Holy Trinity. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.